Chapter 18 is, is, is where we've been, but before we go there, I just want to tell you this, that um, um, it's been a blessing to have everybody that's been coming to Beecher Island here. Um, we seem to uh, have a couple of new families come every month. Some decide to stay. Some decide that preacher's horrible and they go somewhere else and it's okay because they need to go where they get fit. But we seem to have new people all the time. And what a blessing that is that, that we just continue to grow and continue to, to have more chairs in the back. And, and, and i got to stand up here so I can see you all back there. And Yeah. It's good. But here I say what I want to tell you this morning. Is that I've been asking you over a time, uh, once in a while I'll bring it up, just be praying for somebody that doesn't know Christ. Be praying for them uh, to, to come and to know Christ, that their heart will open. I want to encourage you that um, if that person, if you've been praying for a person, that you start asking them to come here. Start asking them to come to Beecher Island to hear Christ. Uh, it's not to grow Beecher Island, it's to, to grow the kingdom. Okay? Beecher Island will do what it does. Let's start asking. Okay, and it's not just asking once. <laughs> but ask them many times. And here's what I want you to tell them. I'm saving a seat for you. And that seat will be available for you anytime you want to come on a Sunday morning. And I will save it for you. And when they walk through that door back there, you better have a seat safe for them, okay? If you've got to push somebody out of your, your row, push them out, okay? Or you change rows, okay? But have a spot for them, okay? Invite them to come and join us. Because I want to be about Christ, and I want to be growing His kingdom. And I say every Sunday that Beecher Island is an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church, and that's what I want to be about. And if we're about this book, and we're preaching this book, and we're all about loving Jesus... He calls us to love people. Let's love people. If we love people, we want them in the kingdom. That's love. That's love. So let me encourage you to be praying for, for people. Be praying for an individual that's on your heart. Ask them to come to Christ. Ask them to come to be driving and hear Christ. So that's my challenge for you. I'm giving it to you right off the bat so you don't have to worry about it anymore until you go home. Okay? Don't think about it anymore as I'm preaching. But ask somebody this week to come join us here at Beecher Island. Chapter 18, we've, we've got to see Jesus step into how to be the hardest thing that he knew what laid ahead. And he stepped to it so boldly. We get to see him go with the disciples into the garden. And he knew what awaited him there. And John lays out some amazing details in his book, uh, in his gospel, that we get to read. And, and some of the details are amazing. And, and a couple weeks ago, we jumped into some of those details and really looked at the details. And then we got to look at Peter. And we have quite a bit of Peter's journey with Christ right here in, in chapter 18. And, and, and I... I never heard Peter preach like I did last week, and I hope that you're okay. I was. 
now we get to see Jesus begin his trial. He knows that the crucifixion awaits him. He knows that the journey is short. His hour has come. And so if you haven't already opened your Bibles to John chapter 18, but I want to remind you that we're going to read it in the context in which John wrote it. And that's John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, But these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you will have life in His name. That's how we got to read it. That's how I pray that we read it today. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father God, I thank You. I thank You for loving us. I thank You for the words that John wrote. I thank You for this Gospel. I thank You, Jesus, for going to the cross for us, standing so poised, strong, boldly. And I pray that as we read chapter 18, we, we draw on Your Word. We see what You want us to see in it. We grow from, from Your Word that we can read. And we see the love that you have for us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. We're going to read all of chapter 18. We haven't done that yet, but I want to put it all in context here. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden in which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Then... When he had said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That, they, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke of, Those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into this sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captain of the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that now that disciple was known to the high priest, and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door, and brought Peter in. Then a certain girl who kept the door said to Peter. 
You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. And the servant, the officer, who had made a fire of coal, stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always met. And in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask, ask those who have heard me what I said to them? Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken to you, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warned himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a, a relative of him whose ear, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter denied again, and immediately arose to crow. They led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. And Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. The saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself on this, or did others tell you about this about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this, because I, for this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore, do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Whew, there is a ton in that chapter, right? John's, John's going everywhere. Yeah, he's very specific. We start the trials. We know that John gives us detail that other Gospels don't about the trials. But also, John misses a lot of details that are in other Gospels about the trials. 
And we're going to try to stick with John unless we want to pull from the other Gospels to, to dig a little deeper. But I want you to know this. I want you to know that Jesus during the cross in less than 18 hours had six different trials. Hearings, whatever you want to call them. Six different ones in 18 hours as he journeyed to the cross. But you might ask right off the bat, well, why are they taking the ants? Why, why take him to this guy? What importance did he have? He wasn't the high priest. Well, at that point, he wasn't the high priest. Caiaphas was the high priest. But you know what? Uh, he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas. But still, why would they take him to him? I think an honest answer is that the office of high priest was for life. It wasn't for a short time, but the Romans, the Romans had chosen a new high priest. The problem was that Jews didn't recognize him. Even John calls Annas the high priest. You see, for whatever reason, we won't get into it today, but the Jews appointed Caiaphas as a new high priest. But Annas to the Jews was a high priest. But I wanted to dig a little deeper. I wanted to find out, well, is that truly the answer? Why would they take Jesus to Annas? So I, I did a little research on what the Bible scholars say about Annas and why Jesus would be taken to him. Well, the Bible scholars believe it wasn't some big religious reason, but it was because Annas' house was on the way. <laughs> so, the masses of people want to show off their captured Jesus, and so they stop by Annas' house and show him off. I shared that with you because a lot of times we read God's Word, and every little detail, we want to pull it out of there and try to make it be something. Make it, make it have something, have some kind of meaning. And you know what? Sometimes it doesn't have meaning. It's just a detail. It's just a detail. It's kind of like me telling you what I had for breakfast. It would have no importance in me standing up here preaching, right? Unless I got really sick all of a sudden. <laughs> no, I'm joking, right? There's no importance to it. And sometimes that's the case. Now, is there a detail to Annas that we should know? That we should think about? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that, that in this, they were trying to... Build the wicked people. They were trying to get everybody on board. They would be on board with them. And Annas was one of those. He, uh, he was with the masses. And he was just as wicked as the rest. And so he encouraged them to take their capture on to Caiaphas. And he was back in. You know, uh, Annas had some questions for Jesus, so before he set him on to Caiaphas. Verse 20, Jesus answered, well, he asked him first uh, about his disciples and his doctrine. And Jesus replied to him in verse 20. He said, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temples where the Jews always met. And in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. 
Jesus was openly saying, I, I've said nothing that's, that's not been known to everyone. I don't have anything to hide. I'm not trying to, to do something in secret. My ministry has been out in the open. I have told Jews everything. And so uh, I've done it both in the synagogues and in the temples. I've done it everywhere. I have no secrets, he says. And he challenges them to bring forth a Jew that has listened to him to see if there's anything that they would agree or be a witness of what they're trying to claim Jesus did. And then we get to verse 22. And when he had said these things, one of, his one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? The challenge that Jesus gave obviously irritated the Jews. It left them without a case. They truly did not have a case, and they, and they knew it, so they resorted to violence. Our world today, too. It's our world today. And they struck Jesus for speaking truth to the high priest. Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil, but if well, why do you strike me? Why do you strike me? Can you picture Jesus saying this to them right after he was slapped? It wasn't a light slap, either. That's not what's in my mind anyways. Maybe if that's in your mind, I don't want to. But I'm saying, listen. He didn't like what Jesus said. He struck him across the face. Slapped him across the face. Can you, can you just picture this? But Jesus, can you put, put Jesus in your head after he was just slapped with, with perfect poise? And on the edge of logic, Jesus showed the unfairness of their position. They did not accuse him of speaking evil. So they struck him. They struck him for telling the truth. I think there's much for us to learn in this. It makes me angry when I, when I read this and I think about how they treated, treated our Savior. I, it makes me want to meet Peter and pull a sword. That's our world, isn't it? guilty until proven innocent. If you hear a rumor, you believe it most of the time. Why? Why do we believe a rumor? Why do we believe hearsay? And we just go with it and we tell the next person, right? And we don't know if it's true or not, but yet we will still go speak it. Why do we do that? Why don't we question what we hear? Why don't we stop and say, you know what? No. I don't know if that's true. But you know, we think, well, the person who told us is trustworthy. Are they? I bet some of these Jews would be trustworthy. Why don't we seek out the truth and not fall prey? rumors and hearsay. You see, because they struck him for telling the truth. And, and I want you to hear this, that, that you may get struck, maybe physically, but probably verbally, if you stand in truth. But listen to me. 
We have to stand in truth. We have to stand in truth of a false teaching or a rumor. For Jesus, the religious trial continues with Caiaphas. His second hearing or trial, if you want to say, takes place within just a few hours. Now John does not give us much detail about the trial before Caiaphas. He doesn't really give us any detail at all. He goes right on talking about Peter and gives us great detail about Peter. But like the hearing before with Annas, this hearing was conducted in, conducted in secrecy. And it was really a joke that made a mockery of justice. Then in John, we get to verse 28. And the civil trial is about to begin. The scene is, is in the hall of judgment or, or the, play, the palace of the government. It, it was his home and the Jews did not want to go into this palace of a Gentile. <clears throat> they knew that they would, they would be defiled if they went into his home. They wouldn't be able to eat the Passover. And now there's discussion whether it's the, 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 the meal after the Passover or the Passover because the Passover may have been done by this point, but it doesn't matter. It did not seem to bother them that they were plotting the death of the Son of God. But yet they didn't want to go into a house of a Gentile because they wouldn't be able to eat a meal of the Passover. murder, that's no big deal. But to not be able to eat, that's a big deal. Think about that. Think about that saying. That that's, what they were, that's what they were doing. What a picture that gets painted in this detail. Right? You know, I pray that as a church we never be about rituals or religion or tradition over Christ. I say every Sunday, and I pray that I will continue to say every Sunday that we are an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. And I say that so, that so that people know who we are, but I also say it so that I never forget that it's about God's Word, not mine. I say it so that I remember that it's not about my will, but God's will. I pray that as a church, that's what we always stand for. Not about us, but about Him. And it's His Word that we always preach and teach here. And I pray that if we're not about something of this book right here, that our hearts and our minds open up to it and we become all about it. I don't want to pick and pluck up this Bible of what we live and what we don't live. I, I want to be about the whole thing. I want to be about every detail that's in here. And I'm not. Okay? But I want to be. I want to be about everything that's in here. And I want to make sure that I got it right. I want to make sure that we get it right. And so how do we know that? We keep going to it. We keep going to it. And no other book but that book. You know, uh, as much as I want to point my fingers at the Jews and talk about how wrong they were, 
how often are we so blinded by, by rituals or tradition or religion or, or, or denomination by the world? And we justify it just as the Jews did. You may feel like I'm beating on you a little bit this morning, and I don't mean to, but yet I do. Now, I will say that uh, as a church, when I first came here, I was told, and I might still be told this, that feature doesn't change. I think it's changed quite a bit in two years. I pray for the good of Christ, not of man. I'm not worried about Beecher not changing. If it's changing for Christ. And not that it was wrong two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, last year. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that if we see in God's Word that we got to do something, let's do it. And if it's not... against God's Word. I hope I'm saying this right. If it's not, uh, if it's not against God's Word and it happens in here, why not? I know when, the, when two years ago when, when, when this whole stage started having musical instruments all across it and it started looking a little different, there was some concern, but God's Word all over in it has detail of musical instruments singing and praising, lifting holy hands to Christ. That's what I'm trying to say, that if we're of Christ, let's be of Christ. Let's not let tradition or ritual or denomination stop us from being about His Word. About who He is and how we worship Him. You know, in Matthew 27, it tells us that there was one more religious trial before Jesus went on to Pilate. It was a trial in front of the Sanhedrin. And there were 70, uh, 70 members of the Sanhedrin that, that met to rubber stamp their approval on this previous hearing. They wanted to make it look correct. Looked, they wanted to make it appear legal. The purpose of the trial was not to determine justice, but to justify their own presumptions of Jesus' guilt. It was all to look the part. Church, I don't care if we look the part. I want to be the part. I want to be Jesus. I want us to be the, the bridegroom that He calls us. I want us to be about His Word and not our own in any way, shape, or form. You see, we know that Jesus had to absolutely go to the cross. 
There was no other way. It, it was written that that's how it had to be, and we know that that's how it had to be, and that is exactly what happened. He went to the cross, and all these things had to take place. But let me just say, though, when you slowly start working through the details and how they wronged Jesus, it makes you step back and look. <clears throat> let me just say, please, let your eyes be open. Let your hearts be open and don't fall in the same trap as the Jews did. Don't, don't fall in the same trap with, with people in your life, with people in this church, with, with, with people in your family, with people in your workplace, with people in your community. Don't fall prey to believing false accusations about individuals. Find out for yourself the truth. And if you can't find the truth, read this. It'll lead you to the truth. It'll lead you to the truth every time. It will lead you where you need to be. Church, never be afraid to stand in that truth, though. Stand in it so much so that it might hurt. I promise you that Jesus was 100% flesh, and when he was slapped across the face, it hurt. And the truth is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that's the truth we have to come back to every time. That it's all about Him. And if you know that and absolutely believe it, then I want you to just sit back and relax for a minute because I'm not talking to you. But if you sit here or you're listening online and, and you're not sure about this Jesus, they got struck across the face for speaking truth. This Jesus that went to a cross to die for you. Rose from a grave for you. If, if, if you don't know about this Jesus, I want you to hear me this morning. Because you know, maybe somebody's told you that he's just a good guy. That Bible's got lots of good stories and it's a good moral indicator for your life. Maybe they've told you that he's just a prophet. <clears throat> Maybe they've told you that you're not good enough. You've got too many wrongs in your life, so just don't worry about it. Jesus is so much bigger than that. Jesus is so much bigger than that because it doesn't matter if you've struck him. Because my guess is every one of us has struck him across the face. But it doesn't matter if you struck him because my Jesus is bigger than that. And he went to the cross for you. He went to the cross for me. He shed blood, which we, we just took communion, remembering that his blood was actually shed. It ran out of his body for you. 
And if you don't know about this Jesus, let me just say this. If I've spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strive? I want you to hear this, but if but these things were written, that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And believing, you'll have life in His name. I want you to hear this, Jeremiah 29, 13. The Lord said, and you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Listen to me. If you don't know this Jesus, I want you to seek Him with all your heart. I want you to lay aside everything that any man has ever told you, and I want you to seek Him. Don't allow man to determine who your Jesus is. If we seek Him with all your heart, you'll find Him. You'll find out exactly who He is and what He's done for you. And if you believe in Him and you walk with Him, seek Him with all your heart too. Do not allow a man to tell you who your Jesus is. Please don't just come here on Sunday mornings and let me tell you who He is. Be in your Word. Be in His Word. Be in your Bible. Seek it. Seek Him. Seek Him with everything you have. Seek Him with all of your heart and know who He is. Invite the music team up. And I'm just going to say, if you're sitting here and you've accepted Christ but don't feel like He's near to you, you feel like there's a distance between you and Jesus, let me just say, seek Him with all your heart. Seek Him with everything you have. And I promise you, you will find Him because that's His words, not mine. Today is the day to know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that eternal life is in Him and nowhere else. Don't be about a rumor. Don't be about a tradition. Don't be about a denomination. Don't be about a religion. I want you to be about Christ and Him crucified. I want you to be about knowing that you are a child of God. A child of God. And it's in Him that you have life. Stand in His truth. Stand in His truth. Nothing else. The next time you feel like you're being told a rumor or hearsay, seek it out. Don't share it. Be of Christ and walk in the newness of Him. Father God, I thank You so much for all that You do. I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You that in You we can know what truth is. In You we can know what, what it's all about. And we have this example of, of the Jews standing here claiming that they think they know truth, but they didn't know anything. You spoke truth. You spoke truth and you you said, I've laid it all out. And if you have any witness, bring him forth. Well, they didn't have one. Jesus, we know that you had to go to the cross. And we thank you so much that you did that for us. For all who call upon your name, and that's who can come to you is 
whosoever you say. Whosoever. That's all. All who will call upon your name. All who will believe in you can have life in your name. And know that you are waiting for them. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. It is in your name I pray. Amen. If you will stand and sing with us. If you need prayers, please come forward and I'd love to pray with you.